Welcome back to the Domestic Supply Chain Summit. I'm John Kingston, FreightWaves Editor-at-Large. When I first began writing about independent contractor issues for FreightWaves, I kept waiting to learn about that one law, that one regulation that would clearly define what a wor- when a worker should be classified as an employee and when they can be classified as an independent contractor. And it didn't take me too long to realize that there was no such law, there was no such regulation, and that instead you had a precedent here and a precedent there that all seem to say different things. And ultimately, you're going to need a lot of lawyers to sort through everything. That has become particularly evident in a process that has now been going on for almost two years. It involves the definition of an independent contractor at the Department of Labor. The Trump administration put its own rule forward in its waning days, really just about two weeks before Joe Biden was sworn in as president. That rule was seen as favorable to the ability to define a worker as an independent contractor. The Biden administration yanked the rule, was then told by a court that it didn't do it the right way, and the Trump rule went back into effect. Now, the Biden administration has proposed its own rule, and that's been controversial, too. So here to sort it all out for us is James Mahoney. Jim has been at his own firm in Arizona since 2009, focusing on the field of trucking and transportation with clients ranging from brokers, forwarders, carriers, and everything else in between. Prior to that, he was an attorney with Swift. He's got good New York genes. He went to undergraduate at Fordham and law school at NYU. So, Jim, welcome to the Domestic Supply Chain Summit. Thanks, John. It's nice to be with you. So I became interested in having you here on the on the summit when I saw your letter to the, your comment, really, your comment to the Department of Labor on the proposed rule. So why don't you start by giving your interpretation of the rule? Uh, And it might be good if you could talk a little bit about the economic realities test, because that's at the heart of both the Trump rule and the Biden rule, but with very different interpretations. Well, John, I think the economic reality rule actually will be a point um, of contention uh, going into um, when the law is enacted. Um, it's, it's very difficult to determine when a driver for a motor carrier um, as an independent contractor, we call them owner-operators, obviously, what, um, what makes them um, uh, strive towards uh, economic realities. Every independent contractor wants to make money. Every independent contractor goes into uh, driving as an owner-operator because he wants to make money. He wants to be his own boss. He wants to be an entrepreneur. As I mentioned in my comment to the DOL, um, most uh, trucking executives today started out as independent contractors with one truck and either themselves or maybe a cousin as a driver. But most of them started out on their own with the objective of trying to become a business. And so that hasn't really changed in economic reality. We have a number of um, independent contractors, particularly those who drove at the port, uh, ports of L.A. and and Long Beach which now have, with California's AB5 law, has essentially done away with um, independent contractors at the port. Everyone's a an employee. Uh, there's been a shakeout by a number of class action lawsuits against motor carriers over that. 
And all of that was initiated by uh, the Teamsters. Um, and don't get me wrong, I'm not opposed to uh, unionization. I was a Teamster myself for seven years, having um, gone through law school in the shop steward's office, uh, taking naps there and studying, etc. cetera. Uh, I did enjoy being paid extra for the 15-minute walk to the bus, uh, to the parking lot, and all that. But yet, um, there remains a number of, of individuals who want to be entrepreneurs. They don't want to be independent contractors. Now, um, under uh, the Trump regulation, there were um, basically, you know, two factors: whether um, uh, whether the worker driver had an opportunity for profit or loss. That's the definition of being an entrepreneur, and the degree of control uh, over that person. Right, and let me let me just interrupt here and point out that those are two of the as if five or six points in the economic realities test. Correct in, in the new one, yes, in the proposed rule, right and. and- Right. And, 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 but what the Trump rules did was it made those two that you just mentioned, control and the opportunity for profit to be more important than the others. And under the Biden interpretation, they're all equally weighted, correct? That's, that's absolutely correct, John. Um, they, they all have about the same weight. Um, however, um, you know, there's an opportunity for profit or loss if you're an independent contractor, and everybody knows that they have to be a, a businessman, take care of books, keep track of fuel, etc. Um, there must in the, in the new law there must be a new regulation or a rule. There must be um, a, an investment by the worker, and that uh, when I hear the word investment, uh, it used to mean. Who owns the truck and who um, is paying for the truck? And for the most part, independent contractors either own their own unit, power unit, or they're they're under lease with a an entity that leases um, trucks to them. And so that's not necessarily defined in the new rule. And so... You know, when a plumber comes to your house to fix the, the sink, he brings his own tools. So what does an independent contractor bring other than a, a power unit? Does he bring his expertise, his knowledge, his, his knowledge of routes? Uh, all, all those things add up to a certain amount of investment. Right. And, and, and moving away from the trucking issue, like one, one interpretation of the investment rule was if you're a courier, let's say, and you're using your own car, you know, for, to, to deliver whatever. The idea, the, 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 the Department of Labor and its proposed rules seem to suggest that, well, you'd probably have a car anyway, therefore you can't use that car and, and be seen as an investment in your business. That's one interpretation. Well, that's true in the motor carrier industry as well, because very many independent contractors have a, a power unit that they use on their own personal time. Um, that may be their personal conveyance. Uh, going back to your example of a courier, uh, the courier is, is using it, the, the vehicle to make money. So he's going to be, uh, conscious of where he fuels. He's going to be conscious of the routes he takes. He's going to be conscious of whether he pays a toll or not. Um, and so all that goes into the expertise that one would think, uh, that develops a courier's, uh, entrepreneurship. All right. So, so let's let's talk about how 
restrictive this law is. Uh, to read some of the comments, you would think that this is going to be the end of the independent contractor model. I mean, I whenever I read apocalyptic stuff like that, I, I tend to be, I won't say dismissive, but a tad skeptical. Uh, is this really quite that bad? You know, a lot of people beforehand figured the ABC test that's in, in place in California under AB5 would be part of the Department of Labor's rule. It was not. Uh, so is it really all that restrictive? I would say not. I would say it's um, headed more towards litigation over the the terms. And I think those terms in the six factors need to be fleshed out more uh, by ALJs, administrative law judges, or courts, or various administrators uh, in, in departments of labor uh, within each and every state. And each and every state is going to come up with a different interpretation based upon those um, ALJ decisions. Um, and the purpose of having the litigation is to have the lawyer uh, be able to sway that decision so that control in motor carrier land means the FMCSA regulations that uh, must be adhered to by every driver, whether they're a company driver or an independent contractor. And so half of my battle in dealing with this is is educating the decision maker as to what the federal controls mean. It means that the FMCSA wants uh, motor carriers to be safe. Um, they want to protect the public, which are admirable, um, you know, topics. However, uh, there's a certain amount of control that judges will see as um, over-the-top control, such as the hours of service, such as, um, you know, meal breaks, or such as uh, who and when can drive where and what loads are they going to take? Right. Now, let's point out, I think what, you, what you're talking about here is the question of whether if a, a trucking company says to an independent contractor, okay, here are the safety rules that you need to follow uh, based on FMCA regulations, that that is being viewed. I mean, there's some interpretation of the rule as like that assumes control. And if, there, if, if control is assumed, and it's difficult to make the case that the driver is an independent contractor. And a trucking company would say, well, what else do you want us to do? We, you know, These people are, are, are working for us, not as employees, but they're carrying freight because we hired them. Of course, we're going to care about safety issues. Not only care, but their safety scores that will be affected and their ability to operate as a motor carrier will be affected. The CSA scores that uh, drivers accumulate over the road um, reflect back on the motor carrier, and the motor carrier can then be um, audited, which is very common these days. And um, and their ratings can go from satisfactory to conditional to unsatisfactory, where they're put out of business. So motor carriers really don't have any dis discretion to just guide their drivers as to the regulations. They absolutely must control those drivers and and uh, as they observe the regulations. Right. And, and and that that raises the question, is that control so all-consuming that that driver can no longer be considered an independent contractor? That, that's my understanding of some of the interpretation of this, this proposed rule. Well, um, I, I would say no. I've been able in in most situations to explain 
away the regulations, the you know several hundred pages of regulations that deal with driving, as to um, that they are part and parcel of being a driver, whether owner operator or company driver. And generally, uh, judges, whether they're workers' comp judges, uninsurance employment judges, wage and hour judges, whatever the case may be, they tend to understand it. Whether they go along with that is, um, you know, another issue because they always say, well, it's a mixed question of fact and law. And so the regulatory effect over the driver um, trumps the facts of independence. So what are you advising? What are you, what are you advising your clients now? I mean, this is a proposed rule. The final rule will probably be not all that far from the proposed rule. I don't think anybody's expecting any sweeping changes. What are you telling your clients now? Well, as an attorney, I feel ethically bound, as most attorneys would, to say you must abide by the rules or regulations. Um, a, a good faith interpretation of a rule, such as, you know, the managerial skill of a, of a driver um, is subject to uh, the facts of that driver's ability to keep books, to keep records, um, to uh, make money, to know the proper routes, to avoid construction or bad weather. Um, and so their ability to make money, their, their ability to be entrepreneurs. So I, I think I can um, effectively counsel um, clients that these, these are the guidelines, but yet you need to operate with certain skills that if you're successful at being a, an owner operator, then you have that. You have those skills. I said, and now you, you mentioned uh, administrative law judges. The reality here is that there can be a rule and it's 150 plus pages, but the interpretation on the because every every case is unique, right? That the interpretation of that going forward is basically going to be you need precedent. So you need some people to get sued. You need some people to be targets of actions by the wage and hour division to then create that body of law that will make it easier to follow. You don't have that now, do you? No, you don't, but you will shortly because uh, there will be um, class actions brought under this. There will be um, vigorous attempts by various state agencies with which administer uh, these uh, rules on the ba- on you know the basis of being funded by the federal government. They will be administering the rules, so you need to understand that. Um, Drivers who are independent contractors who want to be employees will make, perhaps if they're injured, make a comp claim, at which point then you must uh, defend the um, the independence of that driver um, as part of the motor carrier's defense. So, so you would expect that soon after this, this rule is implemented, which is, I guess, expected maybe the first quarter, no later than the second quarter, that there would be litigation that would come soon after that? Yes, I do. Uh, I believe even California's AB5 is uh, not yet um, seen too many you know, decisions, but um, they will in the in relatively near future. And if there are class actions, then they'll be taken up to um, the appellate level and further. So we may end up with having you know, 50 different types 
of rule decisions on this particular um, six-factor test. And let's point out something that, let's say it gets uh, implemented, the rule gets implemented in the first or second quarter. If a Republican wins the White House in November 2024, it is reasonable to assume that this law, that this rule will go away to replace, be replaced by something that's maybe verbatim the Trump rule that's in, in place now or maybe something else. Oh, that's true. That's all dependent on on politics. Well, it's going to be a long ride. As I said, I kept waiting for that one rule or that one law that was going to make it all very clear to me. And it, I, it came to my realization that there's no such thing. So it's a, it's, it, it's a fun trip. Actually, um, if I could just say that um, while California is anti-independent contractors, uh, my home state of Arizona my adopted state of Arizona is indeed very favorable to independent contractors and has um, enacted a couple of laws uh, that um, enable drivers who want to be entrepreneurs to actually um, state that in a contract and submit that to courts and to insurance companies so that they're not charged for workers' comp insurance or um found to be employees. Right. And you did mention that in your in your comment to uh, to the Department of Labor. I did. Maybe they'll take a hint. Okay. We want to thank James Mahoney for joining us here today at the Domestic Supply Chain Summit, talking about the proposed Department of Labor rule that would, on independent contractors, that would be uh, implemented and uh, governed by the Wage and Hour Division. Jim, thanks. Thanks. And please come again. Well, John, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. So I'm your host, John Kingston, and please stick around for more Domestic Supply Chain Summit content here on FreightWaves Live.